Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live. I am Kayla Kinnaram. Joining me is WinterIsComing.net Editor-in-Chief Dan Selke. We apologize for the slight delay. Technology is always fun, isn't it? It can be a challenge. <laughs> We're here now. Thanks for joining us, guys. We're here to talk Game of Thrones news, talk about some fire news, as always. But I got to learn a little bit about you in the... Uh, delay. What did you learn, Kayla Canero? I learned that you can't whistle. No. You swam in high school. I swam in high school. Neither of us can cook. No. And your earlobes are attached. <laughs> we had a lot of Mine time to talk while we got things together on the technical side of things. We got anyway, hi everybody for joining us. Hey Julie, hey Lisa, hey Kathy, hey Diane, hey Kathleen. Glad to see you all. Hey from Orlando, says Kathleen. <gasps> I want to be in Orlando. It's warm there. And Lisa is loving the look. I'm assuming she's talking to you with your uh, cool jeans. I forgot I was going to be on air today, and I wore ripped jeans. <laughs> anyway, let's start. Let's just jump right into it, Kayla. We got some fun news to cover. We do. You've got some exciting stuff for us this week, as, as always. As always, with what's happening on the set of Game of Thrones Season 8. We're going to start with the set they've been building for a long, long time. And Julie asked, do my clocks go forward this weekend? I actually don't know. I'll, just, I'll, I'll, look, I'll Google that later and see if I'm, I'll, I'll catch it. Don't worry. Because she's in Australia. I don't know what they do down there. Is it Daylight Savings this weekend? I'm not ready for that. Is it Daylight Savings this weekend, everybody? We lose an hour. It is. I'm being told it is from our um, oh, crack shoot. staff. Anyway, <laughs> the Game of Thrones crew has been building an enormous, gargantuan set um, on the back lot of Titanic Studios in Belfast, Northern Ireland for five months now. It's a long time. Let's put it in perspective. Five months to work on one set isn't just a long time. It's pretty much unheard of for a TV show. Can you imagine it is staying Cheers put. building a five-month set? No. It's ridiculous. It's insane. And it's gotten to the point where it's so detailed. They spent so much money on it. They've poured about 1.38 million bucks into this set, this King's Landing set that has towers and buildings and a street and a huge kind of glistening white tower in the middle. Instead of a drawbridge? It doesn't have a drawbridge because King's Landing, you know, it doesn't, it's not really around rivers. I mean, it is, but it's not such that there's a drawbridge to it. Just a gate. Yes. We have a new point. picture here to see how beautifully detailed it is. And it's gotten to the point where, and hello, Daniel. Hello, uh, Nicole. Hello, everybody. Got to join us. Gotten to the point where they've put in so much money and time that, according to the Belfast Telegraph, HBO is going to keep the set standing even after filming on season eight is over. I love this. Why do you love it, Kayla? So fans can go see it. That's one of the reasons. Yeah, that is really nice. So after um, season eight is over, fans will be able to go visit this huge, look at that there, this beautiful King's Landing set and see it for themselves, which is a really nice thing to do for them, kind of to honor the people who have followed the show all the time and let them just walk around King's Landing. Dan, it is my dream that you go visit the set. How about yourself? Same. I'll go visit it. So (laughs) these are the places I've been. Um, Full House House. Mrs. Doubtfire House. Home Alone House, Carrie Bradshaw's Stoop from Sex in the City, and Monica's Apartment on Friends. You take this seriously. I didn't know I that. am a huge fan of going to places that are in movies and TV shows. Wait, the Friends thing, is, is it like an actual apartment front or it's something? It's at the corner of Grove, no wait, Grove and Bedford. Is that Friends or Sex in the City? That's Friends? I'm getting confirmation that is Friends. Grove and Bedford. <laughs> so it's, it's the outside shot of Monica's apartment. It's not the actual set that they used because that was in the Warner Brothers lot in L.A., um, which also I want to go visit that set and get my picture taken on the Central Park couch. That'd be, that, oh, it, at some it point. Is, that set is still up at WB. 
I took if you the, take um, the tour. Breaking Bad walking tour in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's really cool. I thought it was pretty fun. I yeah. love Breaking Bad. I want to do the Sound of Music tour through Austria. That would be great. I'd love that. <laughs> Getting a hot air balloon or something. Anyway, so real life sets are cool and fun for fans to visit. Absolutely. And there, there could be more than that. Like uh, Kathleen suggests, how about it's for a future show or a prequel? And according to the Telegraph, they did say it's going to be for tourists, for fans to visit. And also because, you know, you build this giant castle set that's so elaborate and right. so detailed and well done that they plan to use it for, and I'm quoting, uh, future movie projects. So it's a good way for HBO to get its money's worth. Although we have to wonder, what future projects? We know that HBO is making uh, five Game of Thrones prequels or developing them at the moment. Um, Not all of them will get made, I'm sure, but they're developing five. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what if they make one that's literally set... During a point in time in Westeros when King's Landing is still standing. It couldn't hurt to have a ready-made, beautifully detailed set of King's Landing still standing. Exactly. Or also, I mean, what movie doesn't want a castle? (laughs) Some medieval thing, King Arthur. You can use a castle for a lot of things. We haven't had a good period movie in a while. We had some bad ones. We had that (laughs) King Arthur one starring, um, who was it, Arnie Hammer or something like a year ago? Yeah, I didn't see that. That tanked. Charlie Hunnam. I always get get confused, sorry. Oh... Oh, Julie says that you're gorgeous, Kayla. That is so devoted. I'm just oh. thinking about the friend stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. <laughs> or obsessed, either one. Oh, and um, Anna is from Austria. Fun fact, Sound of Music, not very popular there. <gasps> Why not, Anna? It's so It's good. huge in America. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. All these years later, it really is. That's disappointing. But I'm sorry if tourists annoy you, Anna, if you're in Austria and they ask you about Sound of Music and if you spin in the hills. I also met Julie Andrews. No, you didn't. Seriously? True story. My first job in LA, hostessing at the P.F. Chang's in Santa Monica. She came in with her family. No way. It was right before her husband died. I would die. That's so cool. It it was like probably the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, that would be (laughs) badass. Did you get an autograph or anything? No. No, that'd be, that's too much. Also, Adam Sandler came in a lot and Helen Hunt and Tom Hanks and who am I missing? It's not important. Whatever. Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews was like, yeah, the biggest celeb I saw. I thought I saw Sigourney Weaver once, but it was just a woman who kind of looked like her from the back. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Anyway, um, that's exciting. One um, suggestion has been that because we know that after the Game of Thrones crew clears out of Titanic Studios, Disney, the word is, Disney is going to be using it um, to make Star Wars films, which does make some sense because we also know that David Benioff and Dan Weiss, the producers of Game of Thrones, are going to work on Star Wars films, so why wouldn't they want to go back to their old haunt? Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe they could use the castle set for that. But on the other hand, who needs a castle in a galaxy far, far away, outer space, space lasers and lightsabers and stuff? That is interesting. But the point is... Being set in space. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one suggestion. But the point is, it's going to stay standing, which I really do like. I can easily see myself using it as an excuse to travel to Northern Ireland take a sightseeing tour, and walk around King's Landing. I want nothing more for you. Truly. (laughs) You keep saying that. I Um, want you an extra on the show. I want you to go visit the set. I'll I'll try for an extra on the prequels. Um, I got one response on Twitter when I announced, like, you know, oh, they're going to get the the King's Landing set up. And someone said, um, it's going to be so many Cersei fans walking around naked in that thing. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Please keep your clothes on. There'll probably be a sign after a while. Anyway, oh, speaking of... Naked Cersei. Speaking um, of. We have some intrigue from the season eight set involving uh, 
an actress named Rebecca Van Cleave. Not a name you might recognize, but you know who she is. You recognize her body. You recognize her body. Because Rebecca Van Cleave is the actress who stood in for Cersei Lannister during her infamous walk of shame scene during the season five finale. You can imagine that one, right? doing that? Um, no, I cannot. <laughs> Just having to walk naked through a huge crowd of people and being filmed. And also they're like throwing stuff at it's her and they're jeering at her. Right. It's must, it must have been very uncomfortable. I will say that editing was amazing. You could not tell. To this day, that's one of the sequences that kind of sticks with me. I think they did it really well. I mean, what really impressed me about it, we're kind of getting off topic a little bit, was that it, it, it's, it's a naked woman, a beautiful naked woman, walking through the streets. And Game of Thrones had a problem sometimes with objectification. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was, they kept it very focused on the pain and very focused on the angst and the drama. So it wasn't... Versus it being, yeah, a naked it, woman it, walking it, through it, the street. It, it, it didn't no, feel I know what you mean. I get that. illicit at all. Right. Which, I mean, it's an incredibly powerful and strange and... Uh, distorted and demented, but I, I thought it did what they did. I, I thought the sequence was, was a big success. As you measure that kind of success. <laughs> anyway, Rebecca Van Cleve, the actress who uh, played the body double, is, um, and Sam Bradburn, lol, I came in at the wrong time. Probably if you just came in and heard us talking about naked ladies walking through streets and not being illicit. Anyway, Rebecca Van Cleve, the actress who played Cersei's body double, um, is back on the season eight set. There was a casting More agency. naked Cersei. I mean, that's really the only conclusion we can come to, right? <laughs> like, why else would they have her? There was a, a company called um, Industry Casting that tweeted it out. The tweet has since been deleted, saying that she's back on the season eight set for a repeat role. And she was in town for, like, at least three days, maybe more. And w- this conclusion that we get from this is what, Kayla? We're going to be seeing Cersei naked in season Cersei's eight. going to be naked in season eight for some reason. Why might she be naked, Kayla? What could happen? Why what what could possibly go wrong for Cersei in season eight? Uh, Everything. Do we think it... Did you say it has something to do with snow? Did I read that? Yeah, that, that's another part of it. Um, the other intriguing thing is that the actress, Ms. Van Cleve, posted an Instagram picture of herself. She's, you know... In... She, hasn't, she hasn't been indoctrinated to the point where she knows not to do anything like this yet. Um, in a tent, on set... Basically saying that, oh, what a long day of work. My hair is messy and tangled, but I'm working with the best actors in the world. Which, which tells us, okay, so they're bringing back the Cersei body double, which means Cersei nude scene. And she's filming outdoors? Yes. In the snow? Do you think she runs into the dead? I don't know what that portends. <laughs> I mean, it's possible we the actress know is just Snow like... We Snow is at King's Landing, yes. We do. At some point, he'll go to King's Landing at some point. But at that point, Cersei looked fine. Right. She was fully clothed. So it's, it's an intriguing um, cocktail that I, don't know, that I don't know quite what to do with. What do you guys watching think that means? A nude scene with Cersei, possibly outdoors in the snow. My take is I think they're probably going to film an indoor sex scene, maybe with Euron Greyjoy, with whom she... Oh, right. Because she made certain promises last season. Yeah. She's kind of stringing him along to get his alliance, but he wants to, you know, get down. <laughs> um, I'm hoping that the actress was just, like, going out for a smoke and for a craft services donut to the tent. Craft services is great. Have you ever been in a set where they have craft services? Yeah. When I did my background work. 
Is it in a tent? <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Is it tent. really? Mm-hmm. Oh, in that case, okay, we're going to crack the case right now. Because I, I can't think of a scenario where she would be naked in the snow. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Unless they wanted to, like, recreate the walk of shame scene, in which case, why? White Walkers? Maybe she's a r- naked run-in with them? God, that... It's should be interesting in season eight. And I'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, what do you think that portends? Ooh, Julie says baby birthing or getting it on with Yuan or the Night King. Right. She's pregnant. She is pregnant. We could see a horrifying birth scene in the snow. Who doesn't love that? Jeez, that would be a way to go out, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Keep raising that bar, Game of Thrones. Anyway, any other thoughts on this, <laughs> Now I can't stop thinking about that. So, uh, no. Sweet dreams, everybody. <laughs> I still don't. I still don't know if she's pregnant. I know she says she is. That's true. It's true. We're, we're sure. Could not be. People have There's claimed that, that she could be lying. You know, sort of saying not the most truthful person in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, before we uh, yes. sign off for the day, I want to congratulate um, Ashley Ertham for winning the two tickets to the Game of Thrones live concert experience Yay. last week. Congratulations, Ashley! Very, very cool. Hope you enjoy that. And I want to tease that next week we're giving away something that, in my opinion, might be even cooler. We've partnered with Fun.com to let you choose from an array of Game of Thrones prizes. Like, really cool, expensive Game of Thrones prizes, including a Stark shield made of actual steel. There it is up there. A Dothraki Arlink. The hound, the helmet the hound has is in the shape of an actual hound's head. Very really cool. Really cool. A Lannister shield and the knife that Arya used to kill Littlefinger. Are those weapons sharp? <laughs> I don't know, but when we do the giveaway, <laughs> only over the age of 18 is allowed to participate. But that's going to be next week. Next Wednesday, we're going to have that giveaway. So come on back, and you could stand a chance to win one of those. Those are legit. Kick butt items. I agree. Is this like a U.S. thing again? It is a U.S. thing. If we're shipping, thing, yes. okay. Sorry, Julie. So, yes, yeah, sorry, Julie, as always. And friends. But thanks to Fun.com. And, right? Wow, they're really good. Congrats, Ashley, of course. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's pretty exciting. So I hope to see you guys back next Wednesday for that. Um, but before we sign off, we're going to invite Josh Hill onto the show for another episode of A Song of Dan and Josh. Kayla, have a good time. Glad seeing you where we go through A Song of Ice and Fire chapter by chapter and uh, give us our insights. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Good. How are you I, doing, Dan? I'm doing well. I think you should say we got a comment last week um, where I think someone said, Josh never says hello. So hello. Say hello to how all the commenters out Julie? there. Julie Davies. <laughs> hello. Oh, uh, Juan Barrar wants to know what time. Juan, we're going to be back here 4 p.m. Central Time next Wednesday. For this giveaway. So I hope to see you and any, everybody you know, you've ever met there. Yeah. Anyway, Josh, today we are going over two chapters from Game of Thrones. We got Tyrion 4 and Arya 3. Yep. Let's start in with Tyrion 4, or uh, Tyrion's Adventures on the Road with Catelyn. What do you think of this one? I, it reminded me of the first time on the show hmm. when I thought of Tyrion as not really, like, evil Lannister-ish, more of like he's the good guy Lannister. And we mm-hmm. kind of saw that in this, in this chapter in that he, he buddies up a little bit when they get attacked and everything. And basically he saves Gatlin at one point. Yeah, he does. So, and so this is kind of like the, the building of the trust of Tyrion 
to the reader, to me, this is like, all right, we, we kind of had that with the chapters with John when he's talking to him on the oh, wall. Yeah, I, I think we did. And this is kind of reinforcing that to me where it's not, he's not just doing that one time. This is a, this is a prolonged thing. We can trust Tyrion because the same thing happened with Jamie too, over the course of the show where now we've come around to Jamie and we really like him. We're like, mm-hmm. okay. Cause in the first couple of seasons, it was like, you know, we don't, we don't like him. He's pushing <laughs> Bran out of towers out and he's banging his, sister, banging his sister and like, we don't really like that. Um, he also hobbles Ned in the next chapter. Yeah. Fun. But then he's kind of swung back. And it, so like this chapter reminded me of when, um, Jamie and Brienne are kind of going on their little road trip really? together. So yeah, because that That's was kind of when I started coming around to John or uh, to Jamie, because that was that relationship that they had there. It was a different side of him. So and this was kind of the same thing where it's like these two characters that maybe shouldn't be together mm-hmm. are linked up, and they're helping each other out, and it kind of comes out to a, a happy conclusion. Well, it's it's cool that you say that because I mean, like um, I, I can see it like like Jamie and Brienne. Catelyn and Tyrion are at odds here. Mm-hmm. I think more yeah. clearly than Jamie and Brienne are. I she mean, just Catelyn kidnapped them. <laughs> she kidnapped them. Chapter and, the last chapter. And she genuinely thinks that he has something to do with killing or trying to kill her son. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like their relationship is more antagonistic. And it's interesting you say that Tyrion is coming off as good here because th- this is the chapter, by the way, everybody, where um, you know, Catelyn and Tyrion. <laughs> Catelyn's taking Tyrion to the Vale to mm-hmm. the Eyrie, and they are set upon by uh the mountain clans who are just kind of brigands that just want to kill them and take their stuff. And there's a battle mm. and they win. And there is that moment toward the end where Tyrion, like you said, he, uh, you know, he's, he doesn't like Catelyn obviously cause mm. she's kidnapped him, but, um, he decides to help her anyway. There's even a line I wrote down here. Oh, here we go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let them That's have the, the ditch, Tyrion thought, and welcome to her. Yet somehow he was moving, and then he kills a guy with her. Um, at the same time, <laughs> I know that'd be a long. That's great time to bonding. Find it. That's that's excellent bonding. Well, yeah, also, I made all of my friends. <laughs> yeah, just murder the guy who's going to murder them. <laughs> but also, I mean, he. I I feel like he's uh, he's darker in the books than yeah. he is in the show. Like he he has some sick stuff in this yeah. chapter. He's he thinks a lot about when he's going to kill people. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time we hear. Um, a Lannister always paid his debts. Huh. Kirkland would learn that so. someday, yeah. as would his friends Laris and Mohar, and the good Sir Willis, and the sellswords Bronn and Chicken. Mm-hmm. So he's thinking, I'm going to kill all these people when yeah. I get out of this. And then once the fight starts, that uh, jerk-ass singer who mm. distracted yeah. um, him the first time, he crushes his fingers for fun mm-hmm. after a horse falls on him, and he's just like, oh, guess it happens during a battle, because <laughs> he is not a fan of that guy. No. So he, 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 he does come through in the end, but um, we're definitely getting light and dark sides of Tyrion yeah. in this chapter, I think. I could see them pulling that off in the show, though, like Tyrion doing something like crushing a guy's finger who had just kind of yeah. sold him out. But they, it would be more of a coy thing. It would, be, it would come off lighter than it did in the book. He's kind, of, he's kind of an a-hole in the book. Like That comes across more here than it does in the show, which I kind of like because it's it, sure. he's coming out of it. I, I'm assuming he's going to come out of it more than he did on the show. So it's going to feel more of like a complete arc of this is where he was, where he is kind of still working that Lannister poison through his blood a little bit, where he is kind of sick and twisted. And then he's going to come out of it on the other end, like better, I guess you could say, healed from his, from his bloodline. You could say that. Yeah, I could say that. I mean, cause he still has the heart of gold thing going on because he does save Catelyn, but he also has the, uh, the, I mean, the valid instinct to not want to be kidnapped anymore. Cause Mm -hmm. again, he, he's innocent and he knows he's innocent. 
What do you think of the kind of the muddled aspect of the chapter? Well, it, it's another instance where George R. R. Martin is letting his lead character, in this case Catelyn, mm-hmm. be really wrong about something. Mm-hmm. Like, she's kidnapped Tyrion. She thinks he had something to do with Bran's attempted murder. She is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not right. But the evidence was such that you can't really blame her that bad. Yeah. But she's in a situation where she's taking this innocent but kind of asshole-ish man mm-hmm. to face justice. How are we supposed to take... Like, who are we supposed to sympathize with? Catelyn or Tyrion? I... Well, I interpreted that two different ways. The, the first one was this is back-to-back chapters where a Stark has been wrong about the something. The Starks just are like, not known for yeah. uh, their piercing powers of observation. Yeah, they're just absolutely wrong. So that kind of is setting up this idea that because in the first couple of chapters the first part of the book it's very much they know what they're doing they're the heroes of the story and now Mm. it's like it's flipped and they're just completely wrong they're out of their element they're way out over their skis and i I sympathize with both catelyn and Tyrion. i think it's the way that's the best conclusion i think because catelyn is coming from an a very authentic place. She mm, wants to find, totally, she's, yeah. it's, this is her son she's talking about. She wants justice. And Tyrion is also coming from that same, and he's not doing it in of, an aggressive I way. I freaking do it. Yeah, he's not being combative about it in a way where he's like, you're wrong and I'll kill you. It's like, right. he's really trying to like articulate his innocence, which is different from, I think maybe different characters in this book that they would do. They would just be like, mm-hmm. oh, all right, I'm done with that. We're just gonna, I'm gonna kill you or get you killed. Sure. And not gonna have to worry about it. Whereas Tyrion's actually trying to problem solve. Which is where I sympathized with him and thought like this was like good guy Tyrion from the show, because he is trying to not be a problem. He doesn't want this to be a conflict. He wants this just to be solved and move on. That's well, very mean, not a Lannister thing I to mean, do. He, he wants it to be solved, but I mean, again, that long list of people he was going to kill. That's the dark side of Tyrion too. Yeah, I mean, he wants to pay the debts. He's yeah. been done wrong. He wants to get mm-hmm. even. Yeah, I mean, he's he's trying to make the best of it on the way. Mm-hmm. I I. We disagree that he wants to solve it and move on. I think he wants to solve it and then get revenge. Yeah, no, that's fair. Add Catelyn. You think he'd add Catelyn to the list if they had done this? Um, maybe. He didn't mention her in this long list of things, that's but true. Uh, I think he probably would. And, and him saving her at the end kind of did it for me too, because it's like that right. was a moment where like he crushes the guy's fingers and he's like, "This is I can do it." Like that was that would be him solving and getting revenge in one fell swoop. But he saved her, so that was. The good guy Tyrion shining That's a good point. To me. Also, the other fun thing about the muddling of the waters is that at the end of the chapter, we see that Catelyn isn't quite as in the right as she was before. <laughs> Tyrion isn't quite as in the wrong because she got mm-hmm. she captured Tyrion by getting all these guys to help her, right? Yeah. And they're doing it for the promise of money. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to separate the one from the two. But by the end of it, they all fight in a battle together. And then Tyrion's laughing with all of them at the end of it. <laughs> so he kind of, he, he gets a couple of them to like him at yeah. least. And then the situation where Catelyn wants to bury the bodies. And they're like, we don't have time for that. We got to get moving. Mm-hmm. And so, and she has to, has to face up to, oh, my authority is not really complete. I, ha- I, I, I can't afford to do that. Or they'll mm-hmm. leave me or they'll switch to him. And then Tyrion has an axe and a dagger. and He's not tied anymore. So they kind of go into this fight being... Catelyn's clearly in the right, Tyrion's clearly in the wrong, and they come out of it, everyone's a little more on an even playing field, even though they're all, Tyrion's still technically a prisoner. He has a greater degree of power, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a fun and natural uh, progression. I liked that. And finally, we meet Bronn in this chapter. We do. First Bronn appearance. What do you think of that? I liked it. It was was low-key. I felt like his description 
and we've talked about this with other characters, his description in the book made him sound more like a heroin addict than <laughs> he really is did. on the show. It's like he's got a gaunt face. Let's like, read it. It was, yeah. uh, I wrote it down. As the, our first look at Bronn ever in the book. He was near a shadow himself, bone thin and bone hard, with black eyes and black hair and a stubble of beard. Like, kind of, from yeah. the book. But yeah, all that near a shadow, bone thin, bone yeah. hard, it does make it sound like a heroin addict. Yeah. But, you know, it's close enough. Close enough. Yeah, they got it. <laughs> You can't find a rail-thin person. Ooh, Nicole Marie has a good comment. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. The Starks are trying to do right, but it keeps going wrong. I'd agree with that. That's good, Sounds yeah. Right. I could agree. I get that. Finally, one other little bit before we move on from this chapter. Um, shadow cats are something they mention a lot. Mm-hmm. I think they're just mountain lions, but he... It's like a silly fantasy name for a mountain lion. He's trying lion. to build his own world. I, can, I, didn't, I, I can't kill him for that. That's No, it's fine. I mean, the, the, what, what's... Cool about the first book from the fantasy perspective is that, as you've noticed, except for the very first chapter when there's White Walkers, there's been zero fantasy stuff. Yeah. It's all, you know, incest and conspiracies and, and I guess yeah. the wall is kind of fantastic. Yeah, but What's happening to the wall is just like normal full metal jacket stuff. Yeah. But that's also why people love the show so much. Why it was such a mainstream mm-hmm. success is it's like because I remember watching the first season and lots of people were saying that they're like, "Oh, this is a fantasy." Because it, it was kind of billed as a fantasy show, right. and like, it is a fantasy. show. It is a fantasy show, and they were like, "Oh, it's Lord of the Rings ish and all this and that." It's and not it's Lord like of the Rings stuff. First episode, White Walkers and all, that. and then the rest of it, it's like it's kind of like the old thing where it's like you want to make a movie that's about something, but it's not about it. So like mm-hmm. you'll make a boxing movie. That's not about boxing. It's about the characters and you'll never show the there boxing. And it's like this, this is a fantasy show, but it's all about the politics. It's all about the character building. And it's more subversion. Like we talked about last week. Where yeah. It's the fantasy epic, but a different angle on it. Different yeah. Subversion to and it. I, I dig that. I like that. Yeah. So, all right, moving on. Let's go to Aria three, the third Aria chapter ever. What happens in this one, Josh? Well, Arya goes off and does her uh, Arya thing. She sneaks around and, uh, well, actually she's chasing cats. Chasing a cat. Yeah, for Sirio. And, uh, yeah, and then she hears a couple of guys talking who, I guess, is Varys and I don't know who the other guy is. Yeah, okay. So she she chases a cat. She gets lost. And she ends up in, you know, a dark under, uh, someplace under the Red Keep. Yeah. She sees the dragon skulls, which happens in the book. And I I was curious to get get your take on this. So this does happen in the in the show. Um, she chases a cat. Mm-hmm. The, they, they skip over that whole Tommen and Marcella part. Yeah, they don't include that. But uh, and then she overhears two guys talking about. Well, what do they talk about? It's like the 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 dragon and the lion or something like that. And they mention uh, Drogo and kind of Marine and all the stuff that's happening over there. And the war yeah, is they, not going to start until the hand. The they're big, talking about yeah. like, well, could you kill this hand too? Yeah. And there's more players entering the game and this and that. And so, so it was very like, much like setting. It was like yeah. the, another world building thing where it's like, we're getting this information about because we understand we've kind of seen everybody in their own element. We've mm-hmm. seen King's landing and over in, are they in Marine? Is that where they are? Not yet. What? It's this is D- Danny and no Danny and uh, oh not even close Drogo. no okay no they're just wandering around. over in whatever it is over Essos there. Essos yeah they're coming they're just kind of wandering around the the great Dothraki Sea <laughs> well we've had them there and we got up north and so this is kind of to me it was threading it all together yeah. like we know about them so it's like there's it's not some like foreign place to them it's like yeah, we know that saying. it's drogo and everybody like that there's going to be a war we know they want to come to king's landing so it kind of advanced the plot in that way to me and it was in a cool way where we got more of 
Arya's character in that she's this. You know, we already got that she's kind of the rebel without a cause, and she like sneaking Very around. Independent. And that actually advanced the plot where she's not just sneaking around for sneaking around. She's sneaking she around. And, oh, by the way, she stumbles upon this. Yeah, so, which ends up being Varys. It's, it's Varys. It's one of the guys she overhears. And it's Illyrio Mopatis, which is a minor character from, from the show. He's bigger in the book. But he was the guy yeah. that Danny and Viserys were staying with in somebody's mansion at the beginning of the book. Oh, okay. And he, like, he's the one who kind of officiated the marriage to Drogo. Mm. And so he's in King's Landing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's world building. It's more like world connecting, like you said. Yeah, right? I guess that's fair. Yeah. That we're actually, we're like, we're, yo- like Daenerys' thing is happening over <laughs> in another part of the world, another part yeah. of the book. And we're actually bringing, we're kind of connecting it, mm-hmm. which is kind of exciting. Because yeah. you have to wonder if you're reading this, like, why are we reading about this weird dragon or this mm-hmm. weird silver haired lady? Yeah. But it, it, it links up, it connects, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we're good. I, th- I, I I think we went out there for a sec, but we are back. Um, sorry if we lost anybody there. Um, okay, my question for you is, if you hadn't seen the show, or even if you did, mm-hmm. would you have realized who these people were? Do you know that Varys was involved in this scene? Um, I kind of had an idea about it. I wasn't 100% sure. I was trying to figure out mm-hmm. who they were, because I figured, because this has kind of happened before. It happened in the uh, Sansa chapter, where yeah. we, she saw somebody that she didn't know, but it ended up being, being somebody that was pretty yeah. important. So I kind of figured that they were going to be characters we had already met. Just Arya didn't know who they were. I didn't know who the other guy was. I kind of figured Varys sure. was one of them. I thought maybe Littlefinger would have been another one. I don't know. It's just the way that they were talking about. The I, sneaking the, around and just being generally sneaky? The sneaking around and kind of the talking about Daenerys and all that, I figured it might be somebody who was something to do with that. So. Oh, fair enough. But, that was kind of a tip to me. I mean, it also tells us that Varys, again, isn't being honest with Ned. He didn't tell him any of this stuff. Yeah. He's talking about this in a weird, shadowy area with mm-hmm. some weird dude. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously got something underhanded. Yeah. Planned. I and did appreciate, like, the code that they're talking into. Like, the lion and the dragon are going head-to-head or something. Yeah, that's, that's, always, like, that's always Like, good, some secret good society. Like, yeah, that was, that was kind of fun. I liked that. And also, I mean, it's, it's the kind of code talk that Arya you know, wouldn't really get. Mm -hmm. Or again, it's like Sansa where she doesn't get all of it. Yeah. Like it's pretty clearly in reference to Ned, but when she actually tells Ned about it, he's like, ah, they're just actors. Yeah. Should he have taken her more seriously? I think he should have. And I think this goes back to what we had in the last Ned chapter, which is he's just so dug into his own thing that the blinders are up and he's like, I know what I'm doing. This is, I'm in complete control of this. And it's like, you have no control over the situation whatsoever. That's a good point. Yeah, I and it almost makes it more tragic because not only is somebody from the outside kind of trying to pull him off and be like, look, reconsider the situation. It's his daughter who's doing it. It's mm-hmm. not some like random character who's like, oh, I think you might be wrong. It's his daughter literally pleading to him like, you need to listen to me. And he's like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's, that's a tragedy to me. That, that makes it a little, that makes it tougher to swallow. That's one more warning sign that's just not getting through Ned mm-hmm. Stark's like a lot of others. I almost, it almost made me just kind of like write Ned off a little bit. I'm like, look, <laughs> this can't be helped. Like there, you've had so many red flags raised here. There's just no helping this. Like, I know it's going to happen, obviously. I know. I, I, we could be biased because we know what's coming, but yeah, yeah I, maybe that's I my, my defense mechanism. I'm psychologically just being <laughs> like, nope, I'm preparing myself. So one of the thing I wanted to quick point out is, um, just to keep with our little movie genre metaphor, mm-hmm. If the Ned Stark chapters are like a noir murder mystery, then this one was kind of like 
a Nancy Drew mystery where the little girl is like stumbling into yeah, a, a dark like corridor and yeah. overhearing people talk about interesting plots <laughs> and then trying to like be plucky and solve it herself. Oh man. You have to have somebody like drop this artwork. Like I'm just like picturing sure Aria like sneaking around, like, you know, book cover and everything like that. <laughs> and you can oh, find totally it. Work. And then you can find it on the winter is coming Facebook page. I can see it. So. It's like, she's like in the corner and like yeah. there's some taller guy down the, with like a, coat yeah. on talking skeevily in the night i like that yeah. the nancy drew chapters and the, the noir chapters <laughs> and finally talking about um george R. R. martin's language i mm-hmm. want to point out really quickly this is a phrase he, he uses a bunch so i figured we'd just note it when uh aria overhears varus and illyrio mojato's talking illyrio talks in the liquid accents of the free cities yeah when do you read that what does that mean to you i kind of I interpreted that as like the Blade Runner language that uh, James almost speaks in. Oh, it's like a mixture of like, it's like, I think I forget what it exactly is, but I think they wrote it like as a mixture of like Mandarin and Korean. Huh. Like, there was a bunch of different like Asian languages like meshed into one Blade Runner language. Cause that was like the thing is like, it's all this meshing of things. And I kind of got that from this where I felt it was like a meshing of the different languages from all around. I, like King's Landing cool. is, King's Landing is like the Coruscant in, in Star Wars, where it's like this meeting of every kind of culture. So like the language is kind of mixed together a little bit. So that's, that's right. how I interpret I could be completely wrong No, that's cool. I that. would never but, have gone there. I just thought it was like a writerly way to describe a foreign accent without really describing it at all. Oh. Because he, he, he'll, he'll come back to that. Like whenever someone's from Essos, they have a liquid accent. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell does that sound like? It doesn't really mean anything, liquid. but apparently it means liquid. I figured to you. liquid. I figured fluid, fluid language. I felt like he was going in and out, weaving in and out of different kind of Fun. dialects. But I like it. There. Ooh. Okay. Uh, adding your thoughts on either of these chapters, Josh? No, I enjoyed them. So cool. but next week we can hit the next two, which I think is Ned and Catelyn. Quick Ned one, and then longer Catelyn one. Okay. And Julie asked, Dan, will you please have David Harris on as a guest one day? Yeah. Uh, David Harris, Razor. He hosts the uh, Take the Black. Um, House Razor podcast, which is going to be a new episode is up already, up right now on that Winter's Coming um, website. He is remote, but we can get him in here someday. Absolutely. Already replacing me. Wait, already no, replacing me this. with Razor. He would do his own segment <laughs> where just called Razor yells about stuff. <laughs> I don't say hi all these times, and now I'm getting I'm getting pushed out. <laughs> if only I had known. You have to respond to, to the to the viewers. They shape you as you shape it's them. It's true. This is true. We we have a relationship. It's the flu. Anyway, this is a lot of fun, guys. We'll be back next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central. We're gonna give away those great fun.com things. Talk about more Game of Thrones, talk about fire news, and go through more game a Game of Thrones chapters with Josh Hill and a song of Dan and Josh. So until next time, um, have a great night.